Shalom, and thank you for listening to the weekly teaching from Nachamu Ami. It's our honor that you've chosen to participate virtually, and we hope that this lesson will be an inspiration in your daily walk. Don't miss a single teaching. Be sure to download the Nachamu Ami app by visiting our website at www.makeandmessianic.com and clicking the Download the App button in the top left corner. Enjoy the message. So I, I said this in Shakrit, and some people have already left that I, I should have this announcement during the announcements, but something wonderful uh, this morning in our 9 o'clock Shakrit service when uh, I looked out over those who were here, the majority of the people that were here were 35 years old or younger. The average age was probably 24. That's a big deal. That's a big deal about the demographic of the congregation on just the general scale. But the fact that kids and their kids they're not kids in the sense that they're immature, young people who want to come and participate in just worshiping God, even in a traditional setting and sense. It was wonderful. And that kind of gives me a, a segue into what I want to share with you today. We're we're coming now to the end of what is truly one of my favorite books. Every book in the Bible is great, from Genesis to Revelation, they're all great. There's always something great. But for some reason, this year, Shemot, names, Exodus, has carried with it for me the just incredible insights. And I, I hope that along the way I've been able to to share some of those with you. If not, sorry, I'll do better next time. But it's been a good year for me, and that's all that matters. <laughs> this week's portion is called Vayakel, and that means, and he assembled. And it's talking about Moses. Next week is, is a Parsha called Pekudeh. Uh, this is a leap year. This is Jewish trivia for this is a leap year, so we have two Adars, two months of Adar. Normally, in a non-leap year, these two Torah portions are put together, Vayakel and Pekude. But now, since we're having an extra month to add in, they spread out. So we get one extra week in Exodus. I want to do kind of a two-part thing. Um, I'm thinking pretty sure that that's what I'm going to do next week based on how today goes. But... I want to finish up strong in Exodus because there is so much, so much to learn. So much to learn is also kind of a bad word because we can go to the university and learn. We can learn on YouTube. I want to learn and apply. I want practicality in your lives. And that, I think, is what we can get out of these couple of weeks. But a little background first, because a, a whole lot has happened up to this point. We, we finished the Torah portion that was called Kitisa, and there we met the golden bovine, and we met God's, God's Shekhinah, his presence, and we were forgiven, and there were some old tablets broken and some new tablets given, and forgiveness was achieved, and the presence passed by. And God said, I'm going to go, like, a ton of stuff happened in that Torah portion. And so here we find ourselves after Kitisa, 
in Vayakel, and it starts with those words. Vayakel, Moses assembled the nation of Israel, or the, the people of Israel, I should say. But there's an interesting thing that happens. After all that's been said, after all that's happened, Moses brings them together. In English, it says he assembled the entire assembly of the children of Israel and said to them, these are the things that Hashem Adonai commanded, commanded to do them. And then he jumps right from there into what? Does anyone know what the next thing is? Shabbat. He comes right into Shabbat after everything that's happened. Now here's the question, and I have to ask myself a question. Does anyone ever actually really care about the things that I am going to talk about in, like, I don't mean that. <laughs> no, scratch that from the record. <laughs> I think about these things, and then I a message together and after I'm done I ask myself did they ever even think about what I just talked about like or did, does, did you do you just read it and go and that's not a criticism because a lot of people do that but something weird happens because he we've already received the commandment for Shabbat and what it means and what we're supposed to not do and what it will be to us. It's a covenant. And so we get the, com the, the, all the instructions for the tabernacle are given back in, there's a lot of them, by the way. And then at the end of 31, Hashem gives the commandment for the Shabbat. And then here we go through Kisa, Kitisa, Golden Calf, all this other stuff. We come to the other side and everybody comes back together. And what happens? Moses gives the command for Shabbat. Seriously? Why? We already know it. And then he goes all the way through the tabernacle again. Why? That's my question. And have any of you ever asked yourself that question, which is also my question. Why do we need the Shabbat twice? There are some significantly awesome things to consider here. And if you didn't know already, I'm going to tell you why he gives the Shabbat again. You ready? Do you care? I hope you do by the end. I really hope you do by the end because off script, when I was praying today, after preparing this message and thinking through and praying and asking God what to talk about, when I prayed today, it gave me a whole new sense of this day and us being here, and, and the bigger things, the bigger things. And that's, I, as I said, I want practical for you. I want this to mean something. And so there are several reasons why the sages say that Shabbat is repeated, okay? First of all, <clears throat> building a house for God is a pretty important Task, would you would you agree and he gave these instructions to Moses and said these are like down to the detail the number of sockets the yarn the colors all this crazy stuff there's a lot of importance for that and a place to interact with God that's very important it seems to me 
like what actually could be more important than having a place where you can come and meet God? Well, it is important. But this is placed here specifically to tell you, but not as important as the Shabbat. Moses says, these are the things the Lord has commanded to do them. And then the next paragraph says, but don't do this. So to do them, these are the works that I want you to do to build the tabernacle, but you cannot do it on Shabbat. Why did he need to tell them again? Well, it's kind of obvious what they did between the first telling and the second telling. So reason one, I want you to build a house for me, but not on Shabbat. Reason two, does anyone know what melachot are? Melachot are labors, right? There are 39 prohibited melachot in Judaism that are connected to the Shabbat. They are things that when God says, I want you to rest on the Shabbat, okay, what does that mean? Only 23 hours, 59 minutes, and 30 seconds left. Wow, this is a joy. There are things to do. There are things to not do. And Judaism, in its own beautiful and creative way, with reason to, connects the cessation from work on Shabbat to this section of Scripture. Moses is told these things now little Hebrew it says Ele HaDevarim Devar is a thing or a word Devarim are things or words Ha is a definite article HaDevarim Ele means these so God specifically says Ele HaDevarim these things. I love the Talmud for its creativity. What comes next is that there is in Shabbat 70a and Shabbat 97, these are Talmudic books in the Talmud. It says, so how do we know what we shouldn't do? Well, God says, Ele HaDevarim, these things you should do, but not on this day. So how did we arrive at 39 prohibitions? They're all connected to activities that are done in the construction of the tabernacle. Do you know how we got there? Ele HaDevarim. Ele, Aleph, Lamed, He. Three letters. The numerical value of Aleph is one. The numerical value of Lamed is 30. The numerical value of He is five. Therefore, because God chose to be so specific about which things he wanted us to do, Judaism derived that there are 39. Ele, Aleph, 30 from Lamed, He from five and three letters, 39 prohibitions. There you go. And why are they here? Because God's listing out the things that you need to do to build the tabernacle, but not on Perfect. Thank you. You got it. That's reason two. And that's all by way of introduction, because reason three is what I want to talk to you about today. 
You ready for it? It's probably easier than that. The third one interests me because of its practicality, and it is to differentiate a sanctuary in time from a sanctuary in space. And the room began to yawn. Stay with me. Takes me to a podcast that I did this week. It was with a friend named Matt Bell. He just decided he was going to do podcasts with people that he wanted to, that he, that he likes, that he thinks are cool. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Matt. You can listen to Bell House chats on Spotify, but we did one this week that was on Messianic Judaism, not versus Christianity, but compared to, comparative study. And I love Matt, and Matt's a pastor's kid, and he went to a Christian college, he has a theology degree, all these other kinds of things. And we sat down, and the questions began, and we had this great dialogue. But I, I didn't even know what to say at, at many points, because I realized how incredibly different how different our worldviews are. What we find relevance in and what Matt found irrelevant. And, 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 and many times like I felt like a complete heretic by Christian standards. Matt at one point said, I like, I like Jesus and nothing. Now, now that's not a criticism of Matt because I love him. That's his background. But his sense is that every single thing that happens in your life on earth and in the world to come, Jesus and nothing. And what I was trying to communicate to Matt is it's Jesus and something, what he came to teach us, which is his father's word. Like, you, they, they don't, they can't be separated, but I'm getting way off track. That's not even what I want to talk about. The point is, I realized, and he asked me these questions. He said, how difficult is it to observe, like, the laws and, and all the, like, Sabbath and, and all the, the hard work? And, and not the hard work, but the, hard, the pros and different things. And he asked it in a nice way. How do you apply that in a modern context? How difficult is that? And like from the outside looking in, that's actually a pretty good question. If you have no connection at all to Shabbat, to, to Judaism, to Messianic Judaism, to Jewish Jesus in the big context, that's actually a pretty good question. Because Matt went on to say something about, I'm free, man. Not in the sense of I'm free from the law or that. Just like, I don't, I don't, I can't relate to you wanting to like put effort into this.
And the answer to that question he asked is found in reason three. And what's going to happen is you're going to take what I say, you're going to put it in your heart, and you're going to have a John 14 moment. It was Yeshua talking to the disciples when he said, the Holy Spirit's going to remind you of everything I said. And when it's necessary, Holy Spirit's going to bring it out. So what I want to do is at the end of the day, when you are asked that question by your friends and your family, I want you to have something to say, something beautiful, something meaningful, something that makes what we do contain the beauty inherent within it. And you probably have your own answers, but I'm going to give you another one as it relates to space and time. So which one is more important, space or time? Don't answer it. We'll be discussing this today in the sense or in context in relation to this space-time continuum. Nechamu Ami has at times been accused of being too academic. I don't know why. I'm kidding. I'm going to give you this, this simple answer. The answer to which one is found in is more important space or time is found in the space-time continuum. So, it's this easy. I want you to listen to me carefully because you're going to need to know this when you talk to people. Space-time is a mathematical model that joins space and time into a single idea called a continuum. This four-dimensional continuum is known as Minkowski space. Combining these two ideas helped cosmology to understand how the universe works on the big level, galaxies, and the small level, atoms. In non-relativistic classical mechanics, the use of Euclidean space instead of space-time is good because time is as universal with a constant rate of passage which is independent of the state of motion of an observer. Wow, that's beautiful. Sharon, are you getting this? But in a relativistic universe, time cannot be separated from the three dimensions of space. This is because the observed rate at which time passes depends on an object's velocity relative to the observer. Yes! Glory! Also, the strength of any gravitational field allows the passage of time for an object as seen by an observer outside the field. Josiah, did you get that? There is everything you need to know. I allotted time in my message for Sharon's comments. <laughs> I'm kidding. We're not going to talk about the space-time continuum because I have no idea what I just said for the last two and a half minutes. If you do and your name is not Correccio, stand up. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. According to reason three... According to reason three, does anyone remember reason three? Let me tell you what it was. To differentiate a sanctuary in time from a sanctuary in space. And what does that relate to? That relates to why God is repeated and why it is placed right here. Here's the thing. According to that reason, 
The sages determine, and I determine, and I believe Yeshua clearly identified time supersedes space. I don't mean planets and stars and galaxies. I mean places, places, things that take up space like the tabernacle. Time supersedes place. I'm back on a regular level now. This is going to be normal from here on out. No more Wikipedia quotes about space-time continuum. I don't even know what you said. The t- <laughs> because time supersedes space or place, this is why Hashem has placed this here and repeated it. Nothing in the Torah is arbitrary. Not one letter not one stroke, nothing is arbitrary. Why? But why? He did it. Why? Because time's greater than space? I don't even know what that means. Shabbat bears the stamp of holiness on the dimension of time. It was the first thing declared holy in Genesis 2. Shabbat has inherent within it a stamp of holiness and time. The tabernacle sanctified this other thing, this sanctity of, of place, Kedushat Hamakom, it's called in Hebrew. And here's the thing, if you can stay with me. God created time. And in one of the most beautiful acts, last act, the last act of creation, He identified holy time. He created it. And he gave it to us. Man created the tabernacle. By the work of man's hands, according to God's instructions and consecrated by God, yes. But man created the tabernacle. He created a place and gave it to God. God, the holy God of the universe who created everything, created time and gave it to you. What does that have to do with anything still, Damien? I'm like, why the reordering of the command of Shabbat? Well, here's here's what I want you to see. The first time that this happened in Exodus 31, there's a, there's a Hasidic book, which I can't remember right now, that compares this idea of when God gave Shabbat in Exodus 31, because God gave it in Exodus 31. This is the first time, okay? It's the first time we encounter Shabbat in the book of Exodus this way. He gave it after all of the instructions for the tabernacle. Are you guys with me? At least 50% with me? He gave all the instructions for the tabernacle. Moses had the tablets. And then, and then he said, six days you shall labor. And the book says this. It's as if a, it's compared to a father who's speaking to his son. He had several important things to tell him. But the last is the most important thing. And so he places it last in the discussion that they not forget. Well, how did that work? 
They forgot everything and worshiped a calf. And so Moses comes along the second time, and you read this, Vayakel, and he assembled the children of Israel, and he said, God said, these are the things to do them. But God never says, reiterate the Shabbat, Moses. Make sure you reiterate the Shabbat. Tell him again, tell him again. That's not in the commandment. The thing is, I want you to do these things related to the tabernacle, Ele Hadevarim. But Moses inserts the Shabbat the second time. Why? Because Moses knows, and God inspired him to know, Moses, the first time, was a miserable failure. No matter what you build, no matter what place you sanctify, if you do not have intimacy with me in time, there is no future. So Moses, before all the instructions for the tabernacle are given the second time, inserts, you must honor the Shabbat because the Shabbat is created for you. It is your appointment in time which supersedes and sanctifies, uh, supersedes and overwrites even the building of my dwelling place. That's kind of an important thing. Kind of important. And Israel, there's a very famous phrase which is identified by multiple sources, so I don't know who really said it. More than Israel has kept the Shabbat, the Shabbat has kept Israel. You see, what happens is the tabernacle goes away. The temple, the beautiful Solomonic temple goes away. Herod's temple goes away. They're all destroyed. The holy places modeled after the holy place in heaven, they're destroyed. But the Shabbat remains because it is a sanctuary in time created by God for you to honor to observe and enjoy. Do you know? Of course you know. And, and uh, like I, 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 I think to myself, this is so incredibly elementary. Like everyone in this room knows that time matters more than a place. But... There's more because do you realize that how often in life we are judged, our, we judge our own value and we are judged by others in our accomplishments in space. What we accomplish in the physical, what we build, what we do that's tangible, how you, how you, Spend your time is so often building these things. It's so much more. We, wanna, we always want to build like a sanctuary that, that surrounds us, a sanctuary of physical, tangible things. And just, just, just be safe there. 
Spending time, as you probably know, is the purest form of showing your love and affection for another human being. Do you know that? Have you ever been really invested in something? Really invested in something. Not financially, your time, your heart, your whole passion. You're invested in something. And you ask someone, hey, can you give me a hand? Could you help me? I, I, I got this. Ah, I'd like to. I don't have time. And you say, bull crap. <laughs> you have time. I wouldn't have asked you. I've observed you. You have time. You just don't want to and you're so passionate about something and someone says I don't care does that ever happen to you it's happened to me it's frustrating men any of you have a wife whose love language is quality time Wives, any of you have a man whose love language is quality time? No, no hands. <laughs> no hands ever up. I had to ask. I mean, I was thinking, well, that's kind of chauvinistic like to assume. So let me at least ask. I knew not one finger would move. <laughs> not even. even How many of you have a wife whose love language is quality places? <laughs> well, my wife's love language is, is getting gifts. So, I mean, I, that's pretty tangible. Do you know what a gift is? Do you know why people love gifts? Because a gift says, you thought about me. You spent time thinking about me. You shopped for me. You wrapped for me. You brought and gave to me because you care about me. You spent time on me. So giving gifts is just an extent, receiving gifts is just an extension of quality time, guys. You can take your wife to McDonald's. Don't eat anything. It's not kosher. You can take your wife to McDonald's if you just sit there and listen, don't do this. <laughs> That's not called active listening. Do you want me to give you a marriage counseling class right now? So what I think I heard you say was, no. <laughs> the psychologist weighs in. Man, we are killing it in here today. We got a, we got a, I was about to say psychic. We have a physics. Physics, we have a, a psychology, a doctor of psychology. We are, we are getting it. You just like and personally, and, and I'm dragging this out just a little bit, but prayer. Proverbs 31, Eshechayel, the woman of valor. You know this prayer? It's a proverb, but it's a prayer for Shabbat. It's in the Siddur. I mean, it's in the, um, it's in the book. <laughs> and um, 
bless the children, and then you bless your wife. And you sing Proverbs 31 over her. Do you know how much liturgy I know? I can, I can chant the Torah. I can go through the Siddur. I can spend hours singing the liturgy. I've invested hundreds of hours in learning to read Hebrew, learning the melodies, learning everything. Do you know that last night at the Shabbat table was the first time I've ever sung Eshet Chayel over my wife? Do you know why? It's because of this idea. It's because this week, when God birthed this idea in me last Saturday, it's just time. It's an investment in time to say, I love all you guys, and I'm happy to invest hundreds of hours in learning and liturgy, but man, you can't come last. And she literally did in this case. <laughs> and so time, you can't put a price on that. And so I'm, I'm going to conclude us here with this idea back to, the, back to the podcast with that. Is it hard honoring, observing, doing all that stuff on Shabbat? Is that hard? I mean, how, how do you do it? And, and my answer, maybe I communicated it. I don't know. But my answer was, gosh, when I think of this, when I think of this moment, when I think of this day, when I think of what surrounds this day, and I see it the way God sees it and what it was, it's anything but difficult for me to do the things God said to do and not do the things he said not to do. And, and above building a meeting place, you know, God is saying, I want you to meet me where you are, wherever that is. It might be at your Shabbat table. It might be here. It might be in your car. I don't know where it's going to be. Technically, in an Orthodox observance, we wouldn't be in our car because we wouldn't start it up and drive, but that's something different. The Father said it last because it was so important. Moses said it first because it was so important that we set aside and what we dedicate in the sanctuary of time informs everything else that happens out there, whether you know it or not, because God created the system. Six days you shall labor, but on the seventh you shall rest. So what are we going to do? We're gonna, are we going to do what we just did? Sit like monks? Shabbat shalom. Is that, is that the sanctuary of time? 
Is that, is that setting it apart? No, there's, there's, a, there's a continuation in Exodus 35 when he says, Moses assembled, the entire assembly, Moses assembled the entire assembly of the children of Israel and said to them, these are the things that Adonai commanded, la asototam, to do them. To do them, there is a doing thing that happens. It's not just about balling up and separating yourselves. The doing matters, and I'm certainly not suggesting that the tabernacle or sanctified places are without worth. I am in no way suggesting that. Do not leave with that idea in mind. The building matters. The building does matter, but next week, even in that, I want to talk to you about a different way of looking at places. How many chapters, how many words, how many instructions for building a sanctuary? God deemed it to be important, so do I. But in only these few words, God says what matters to him most. He says, Sheshet yamim teaseh malacha uvayom hashvi'i hiye lachem kodesh shabbat shabbaton ladonai. What did he say? He said, On six days work may be done, but the seventh day shall be holy for you. A day of complete rest for God. What is complete rest? A sanctuary in time. It supersedes all else. But what, what we have here is not a burden. It's not something we have to struggle through. It's, it's, a, a, it's not an obligation, a difficulty. It's not legalistic. It's to be cherished. It's to be loved. It's to be enjoyed. So, so when they ask you, why do you do that? The answer is not new. Even though I said I was going to send you out with practical answers. The answer, it turns out, is not unique and it's not new. Why do you do it? Is it difficult? It matters to him. And thus, it matters to me. I set aside because guess what? God's love language is quality time. And he made a way for us to easily come and enjoy it. Shabbat Shalom. We hope you enjoyed the weekly teaching. We'd love to hear from you with a comment, a prayer request, or questions you might have. We believe the mission and message of Messianic Judaism is something the world needs now. If you enjoy these teachings, would you consider financially supporting the work of Nachamu Ami by visiting our website at www.makingmessianic.com and clicking the Give Online button in the upper right corner. Thank you again for listening.